So this morning, we're kicking off our doctrinal statement series. Get the slides up. And uh, I've been given the small topics of the Godhead and the infallible Word of God. So I'll just um, knock through those in half an hour and we'll see how we go. Now, I was talking to um, Jude through the week about the service planning and uh, thank you for uh, Meigs and Lucy for helping out there as well. Uh, and they were putting a bit of a focus on the Word um, so that I could focus a bit more on the Trinity. But as we bring up um, the first slide... This is what our doctrinal statement says about the Bible. I wonder if you can read it together with me. We believe the 66 books of the Bible, as originally given by God, are divinely inspired, infallible, entirely trustworthy, and the supreme authority and sufficient in all matters of Christian doctrine, faith and life. And we've got a few references there. Doctrine's become a bit of a dirty word for millennials, apparently. We, when we think about doctrine, we think about um, stale, crusty oldies fighting it out in some intellectual battle um, with very little connection to real life. Um, but doctrine in the New Testament has two meanings, uh, one of which is we don't use anymore. But in the New Testament, doctrine just means, and it comes from a Latin word uh, about teaching, and it means to teach or what is taught. So sometimes you'll see Paul instructing Timothy, uh, take care of your doctrine. He's saying, take care of your teaching. Make sure that what you teach is sound, the way you teach it, uh, etc. And then we obviously have doctrine itself, which is what is taught, and we want to teach the truth. But I want to start this morning via um, a story. This story is a story about a faithful old man. This faithful old man loved God and prayed each day for his children and for his grandchildren. One time he was visiting his daughter and her family. They spent some time together and after a few days uh, the time was coming for him to leave and head back home. So he asked whether they could re- read a Bible reading together with the family. He gave a Bible and a passage to read to one of his teenage grandsons. But the grandson refused to read the passage and stormed off which shocked the old man who hadn't seen the rebellious attitude of his grandson before. Nothing further was said, but the old man immediately started rallying prayer for the young teenager. He asked the wider family and other friends far and wide to start praying for the young man, and he himself continued to pray each day for him also with his wife. The young man had bad influences from his peer group at school and would often be in trouble. He was quite unhappy but still felt the need to impress his peers. Some time passed, but God was answering the prayers of his people. Out of the blue, seemingly, his grandson suddenly felt convinced he needed to read the Bible for himself, despite the fact that he was not living as a Christian. He started reading 12 chapters a day and finished reading the Bible from cover to cover in three months. Before the end of that same year, he had read the Bible twice more. Over that year, everything became crystal clear in the light of the word. The foolish way he had been living, the desperate need for Christ to rule his life, the need for his friends to know Christ. The power and truth of God's word were rapidly transforming his life. 
He wasn't aware that his grandfather and many others had been praying so faithfully until many years later. Now, this is a story about a faithful old man, um, but it's, it's also a story about a God who answers prayer. Uh, and it's a story about the power of God's word to transform people's hearts, to transform people's thinking and transform people's lives. Uh, it's also a personal story for me. Uh, the faithful old man was my grandfather, James Jackson, and I was that rebellious young grandson. My initial experience with the Bible has been true of my um, continuing experience with it. When I open my heart to the Word of God, uh, He challenges me, He changes me, uh, He shows me where I need to be open to His Spirit and I'm aware of the opportunities that the Spirit gives me. Um, There's also been times in my life where I've neglected regular time in the Word. As a result, my relationship with God has suffered Life has just become more of an exercise of going through the motions, uh, stuck in a rut, day to day, missing largely God's um, opportunities that he's put before me, um, missing how he wants to use me to bless others uh, and use me in each opportunity. And I wonder for you, um, as we've just briefly considered the word this morning, what place does God's word have in your life right now? Is it a priority? Um, Is it non-existent? Is it an occasional squeezing in your busy schedule? Because as we come to the Word, if we want to grow as a Christian, if we want to become more like Jesus, if we want to be aware of the Spirit's opportunities in our lives, if we want to be sensitive to His leading, if we want to be fruitful, if we want to be effective, we have to make time for the word of God. If we don't, there is no real chance of Christian growth. There's no real chance of Christian maturity. It's not going to happen by accident. It happens by discipline and by investment into learning more about God, who he is, what he wants from us. Just like physical food, the Bible isn't a book that we fed on five years ago and should expect us to sustain our spiritual life now. Yesterday's food doesn't keep us full for long, so we need to continue to be in the Word. If you want to uh, open your Bibles with me to John chapter 1. I'm not going to spend too long on um, this, this first point in the doctrinal statement this morning. We've already had some good opportunity to reflect on the Bible. But I just want to refresh our hearts with just how incredible the revelation of God is to us. That he's chosen to reveal himself, that he's chosen to make himself known. John chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm going to be skipping through uh, a number of verses, so... You can see the verses that I'll be reading up on the screen. Um, But if you think I'm missing some, that's because I am. So, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The true light that gives light 
to everyone was coming into the world. Verse 10, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Verse 29, the next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Verse 32, then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit coming down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptise with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Beyond comprehension that the Almighty God existing for all eternity in the three persons of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit would take on human skin, human muscle, human bone. Absolutely mind-blowing. And if you could turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. I'm just going to read a few verses there, so if you want, you can just listen. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And reading from 2 Peter 1, 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. We read, His divine power has granted us to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this knowledge we have, this great knowledge in God's word, the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ is actually the catalyst for everything we need for life and godliness. Which one of us wouldn't say we want to be fruitful? Which one of us wouldn't want to say that we want to be effective for Christ? Imagine getting to the end of your life and the end result being you were ineffective, you were unfruitful. Um, None of us want to be in that place. And 
the very foundation of effectiveness, of fruitfulness in our spiritual life starts with the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where are we going to get that? Through the word of God. So I just want to, um, before we go on, close our eyes together. I'm going to ask you some questions and I want to pray for you as well. This morning I suspect you don't need me to tell you that the Bible is good for you. I suspect you know that. And I don't think you need me to convince you that the Bible is God's perfect word and rightfully has complete authority in our lives. But I know that the busyness and distracting world that we live in probably affects you the same way that it affects me. We know the truth of how amazing the revelation of Christ in the scriptures is. We know that we won't grow without it. But yet, busyness, distraction, other priorities take us away from it. So I want to invite everyone here this morning uh, to make a commitment with me. To give you the opportunity to make that commitment. I want to invite you to make a commitment this morning to make time to get into the Word of God on a regular basis. I'd like to offer you the opportunity to make a commitment to not read the Word as a tick box exercise but as a means of knowing God better, as a means of becoming more like Christ. And I want you to offer you the commitment to keep each other accountable, to listen to God to keep each other accountable to staying responsive to the Holy Spirit through the Word. If that's something that you would like to do, some of those commitments, if you'd like to make those this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. If you want to be more committed to the Word, if you want to be committed to being keeping each other accountable, if you want to be committed to knowing God, not just ticking the box of saying, I've done a reading today. Thanks for those who put their hands up. I want to pray for you now. Lord, we love your word. Sometimes this uh, world we live in and our own sinful hearts uh, drag us away from it. Sometimes we uh, creep into self-dependence, going through life as if everything we could do is dependent on our own resources and not yours, Father. But the reality is that we need your word to feed us spiritually. And without it, we're weak, ineffective and unfruitful. God, I thank you so much for these people this morning who've thrown their hand up and said, we want to be committed to making the word of God a priority. We want to be committed to keep our brothers and sisters accountable and encouraged in the word as well. Coals are brighter and hotter together. We pray that your word would enrich us all as we seek to read it, study it and apply it together and Lord for the commitment they've made to um, seek you in reality Lord not just as a religious exercise, a tick box exercise but to really know Christ and his transforming power in their life I pray for everyone here Lord uh, the ones that have may not have put their hand up but still feel uh, the desire to make that commitment 
I pray that we would be a community of people that are known for our love for your word and known for our strong desire to put it into practice, known as people who do the word, not just say it. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So I want to now move on to the Godhead or the Trinity. Of course, the Trinity is not a word that uh, turns up in the Bible, um, but it is a word that was used um, to summarise the nature of God um, in respect to being one being with three persons. And uh, let's read the, this uh, element of the, the doctrinal statement together. We believe in one God, creator of all things, infinitely perfect, eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. I spent quite a, time, quite a bit of time in my preparation just baffling myself with God's character and, and uh, his infinite nature, his eternity. I was enjoying a book, um, one of my favourite books of all time actually. It's called A.W. Tozer. Uh, sorry, the author's A.W. Tozer and it's called The Knowledge of the Holy. I don't know if anyone's read that. Um, but certainly my favourite book outside the Bible. And each chapter is just one of the characteristics of God or attributes of God. And one of the things that uh, the author does is really apply those truths uh, in meaningful ways. But the Godhead is challenging to understand, yet permeates the whole of Scripture. Basically, any natural or physical analogy you can make for the Trinity falls short. Um, So I thought I'd avoid any comparisons this is a little diagram of, that states what's true about the Trinity, which is that um, the Father is God, the Son is completely God, the Holy Spirit is completely God. But the Father is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Son, the Son is not the Father. Um, being God's infinite nature, we're not supposed to be able to fully comprehend this. There's an element which... Logic just has to um, step outside for a minute and in faith we say, thank you God for revealing who you are. Thank you for revealing that for all eternity you have been the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Any guesses where the Trinity first shows up in the Bible? Anyone want to shout out the first place where the Trinity shows up? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In verse 2, the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. And then we see that um, when God says, let us create man, he says us, plural God. But even in verse one, chapter 1, verse 1, uh, the form of God used there is plural form. So we see that even from the very opening verses, this is something that um, God has wanted to reveal about himself. I think I used to have, uh, or, or I did have, bad theology in that I thought perhaps God just revealed himself as father and son so that because I've got human relationships of fatherhood and sonship, I can understand God better. So he's conveniently uh, revealed himself as father and son so that I can understand him better and grasp um, the relationship that he might have with me, etc. But that's actually the wrong way around. The reason I'm a father and have a son is because God is father and son. The very fabric of our world, the very fabric of creation 
reflects a relational God. It says in chapter 1 of Genesis that God created mankind in the image of God and in his likeness. In what sense are we created in the image of God? Relationships, soul, spiritual dimension to us. I think the most obvious theological answer from Genesis chapter 1 is that we're created with the ability to rule, the ability to order. Um, God explicitly says that when he's um, creating us in his image, creating us in his image as, as those who will rule over his creation. But it seems really um, clear to me and as I've been studying that one of the fundamental ways that we've been created in God's image is our relational nature. Um, why does God care so much about unity? Why does he care so much about harmony? Why does he hate disunity? Why does he hate sinful conflict? Because for all of eternity, he has, he has lived in perfect unity, in perfect harmony, in perfect love between the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So in his creation... He has asked for the same traits to be there, to honour him, to glorify him. God is love, we say. The demonstration of that love isn't just in salvation, isn't just in the creation, isn't just in the way um, he provides us with rain and sunshine. It's actually seen for all of eternity in the fact that Father, Son and Spirit have been in relationship together as God for all in, all in eternity before creation and all in eternity after creation and if you're like me uh, the greatest joys in your life and the greatest sadnesses are probably relational it's not I remember that sunset that day and it was just the most the highlight of my life it was probably I remember that sunset with someone um, our greatest sadnesses are often relational conflict maybe the hurt that others have um, inflicted on us in relationship. And similarly, our greatest joys are when we have had the opportunity in relationship to bless others or we've been blessed by others. So as I thought about um, how do we actually then go and apply the Trinity? How How does the Trinity apply to our lives? For me, actually, one of the most fundamental ways we can apply this profound truth about the Trinity is by carefully thinking about our relationships. Because God is a relational God, it says in Corinthians that he's a God of reconciliation. Harmony and reconciliation is fundamental to his nature. So in relationship, we demonstrate the glory of God. How does Jesus say uh, in John 17 that people will know that you are my disciples? What's the, the key evidence that a watching world can tell that we love Jesus? Love for one another. Relational interaction. Our love defines our relationship with God. Because if we don't love, First John tells us, we haven't seen the Father. We don't know him. Uh, and if we do love, we've seen the Father and do know him. So I want to open to Ephesians chapter 3. I could have picked anywhere in the Bible and I just wanted to focus on a big slab that A, shows us how the Trinity is just fundamentally and richly um, 
through the pages of the New Testament because you'll see in these passages you were about to read so many references to the Father, to the Son, to the Spirit. But also see that the Father, Son and Spirit um, fundamentally outworks in our Christian faith through the way they help us relate together, love one another. So Ephesians chapter 3 I just wanted to, before I start that, I just want to go back to the Holy Spirit as well and say that I think we sort of understand the Father and Son. Uh, we see the Father submit, the Son submitting to the Father. We see the, the Father sending the Son, um, saying he's pleased in the Son. But the Holy Spirit can be a, a member of the Trinity that I think we overlook. Um, some, some cults and false teachers have talked about the Spirit just being a force, like electricity. And the Jehovah's Witnesses teach that, that he's not a, a real person, he's just a force, the active force of God. But look at these verses uh, about the Holy Spirit. He can be grieved, he speaks, he gives spiritual gifts to each Christian, he thinks, he understands. Not the uh, actions of a mysterious force, but the actions of uh, one who is equal to God in all essence and attributes, um, complete, completely infinitely powerful infinitely holy and perfect we neglect the spirit at our own risk um, because he is worthy of our worship worthy of our full devotion and the Holy Spirit obviously seeks to honour God through making us more like Jesus Christ as one of his chief works Let's uh, turn to Ephesians with me. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. As we read through, um, I want you to take note of both the references to the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, but also just see how um, practically it's applied in relational terms. Ephesians 3, uh, 14 to 21. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God." Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so the first way I think we can apply the Trinity is actually in prayer. When I was um, that young rebellious grandson coming out of that and studying the scriptures, one of the first things I needed to learn how to do was pray. And this passage in Ephesians and others were the key passages that taught me how to pray uh, for others. And I want to do that for us now. I want to pray for you um, using the, the language of Ephesians 3. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that according to all the riches of your glory, you strengthen us with power through, the whole, through your Holy Spirit in our hearts. Lord, we want Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. Please help us, Lord, to be so rooted and grounded in love 
that we can go on to understand more and more of the love of Christ. How can we know something that surpasses knowledge? Only through the power of your spirit to fill our hearts with all the fullness of God as we understand the Lord Jesus Christ more. I pray that you would open our hearts, Father, to know more of you, to be filled with your love, that that love might permeate through all our relationships so that people will know that we are your disciples, people will know what kind of God you are. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So prayer, I think, is a key way that we understand the Trinity. Uh, We pray to the Father through through the Son as our mediator, by the Holy Spirit filling our hearts. We read in some places in Scripture that sometimes we're, when we're inadequate in prayer, the Holy Spirit um, prays on our behalf. And now, um, let's continue to read on Ephesians chapter 4. The next way the Trinity applies, unity and patience. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 to 6. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amazing how the doctrine or teaching about God as three in one is the very um, fundamental anchor for our unity as Christians. Do you think if it was always easy to get along, we'd need these verses? No. How often have you seen people, and maybe even yourself, Uh, eager to maintain our own reputation, eager to maintain self-defence rather than eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So quick to go to our own defence and sometimes so slow to go to the defence of others. But here we're called um, in light of the, the truth of the Trinity to walk together with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another, bearing with one another in love because we can drive each other crazy uh, and really eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If the Holy Spirit's in control of my heart and the Holy Spirit's in control of your heart, heart I don't think he's going to fight us off against each other, is he? So when we're fighting, it's evidence that we're not letting the Spirit do his work. Not that we're right and you're wrong. Uh, Where there's conflict, most often it's where there's selfishness and ambition and the Holy Spirit's not getting a look in. Unity and patience, a key way that the Trinity can apply to us as we seek to understand the nature of God and how he wants us to live as a result. Finally, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, we read this about kind speech and forgiveness. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful 
for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. What are some uh, examples of unwholesome talk? Gossip? Sorry? Slander. Slander. Big and small? It's easy to think gossip is just telling that monstrous lie about someone. It can just be having a whinge, can't it? Anything that makes us look better and makes others look worse or just makes others look worse. What other examples of unwholesome talk? Complaining. Complaining. Anything else? Yep. So the way we deal with each other when we don't always agree. Um, we're, we're all so diverse. So many different personalities, different giftings. It's very easy to see differences as wrong. Um, but if the Holy Spirit's working in our hearts, he's going to often show us the, the strength and beauty of those differences that others have that we don't and actually help us to be a stronger congregation uh, as we use those diverse personalities and gifts all together in unity for the Spirit. Of course, the, uh, what's the, the key solution um, to build others up? Paul says... Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of them. It sounds simple, doesn't it? Just just die to self. That's all. Um, I think the truth is we need a lot of prayer, a lot of time in the Word, uh, a lot of humility to listen to others as they point out the areas we need to grow and change, a lot of patience with ourselves and with others, because growing in Christ is a journey. It's not a uh, once-off trip that we get to the end straight away and that's it, but it's a continual journey, as Raf talked about earlier, of sanctification, of God continuing to make us holy uh, for our whole life. We've only looked at really uh, one and a bit chapters there of how, the, ho- of how the, the doctrine of the Trinity can be applied in practice. I found lots more. Um, but, yeah, I was encouraged to see that the Trinity is something absolutely true about God that has always been eternally true and always will be true. It's not something that he just made up for our benefit, um, but it's fundamental to who he is uh, before the beginning of time. And it seems to me that um, knowing that God is the triune God that he is, to me makes us it makes me more aware of just how important relational harmony and integrity is. Uh, and then I'm not surprised when I see that um, one of the key ways the gospel can go out is through our relational interactions, through people seeing the love of God in our hearts and towards each other and going, that's not normal. Um, that is the hand of God 
a triune God, a relational God, a God of harmony, of peace, a God of reconciliation. Let me pray for us. Dearest Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for who you are. Beyond our comprehension, your word tells us that you dwell in unapproachable light, that no one has seen you or can see you. Yet in other pages of scripture, Jesus tells us, if you have known me, you've known the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We thank you for the perfect Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the revelation he is to us of what you're like, Father, and what you've always been like. Your mercy, your grace, your justice, your holiness, and all your other attributes, Father. Dearest Heavenly Father, we thank you that though for all eternity you only had perfect relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit, you sent the Son, your only Son, to suffer and pay the price for our sin. Incomprehensible how such a perfect eternal love could be broken for people so unworthy as us, Father. Just creatures created, paid with our sins paid for by the Creator. We want to thank you for your Holy Spirit, Father, for not just taking the Lord Jesus Christ to be at your right hand in glory, exalted, uh, and leaving us here, but to leave us with your power, leave us with the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, to fill each one of us. We need your Holy Spirit, Lord. We are a weak and broken people and we need continual strength every day from your Holy Spirit filling us, guiding us, teaching us through the word, continually changing us, helping us to grow more humble, helping us to grow more patient with each other. Lord, I just pray that you would take what is just a bunch of uh, diverse people here and use us for something so much more. Unite us, Lord, we pray, for the gospel. Unite us to take the good news about Jesus Christ out into our community. Unite us as a people of love. Sometimes we don't get along as we should, Father. I pray your Holy Spirit would show us how to do this better. I pray your Holy Spirit would convict us of the need to forgive, of the need to be patient, of the need to be aware of others and sensitive to their needs. Because we know that in the Trinity this is fundamentally true, that you're a God of perfect harmony, perfect peace and love. And we want to be like you, Father. We want our lives to be a reflection as much as possible of who you are and what you're like. We pray that you'll help us with this. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.